poker's legendary champions, next generation stars, and tireless ambassadors of the game, sharing their wisdom and guiding your journey to high achievement on the green felt. This is Philosophical Friday on Chasing Poker Greatness with your hosts, Brad Wilson and Duncan Palamortis. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Philosophical Friday. This is uh, your co-host, Peter Birmingham, and yours truly, Duncan Palamortis. Uh, how are you, Peter? I'm very well, Duncan. Very well. Uh, good to see you. Uh, good to see you back home in your in your natural habitat, as it were, after Abs a period of travel. Absolutely, absolutely. I'm excited, and I'm actually really excited too because we have a wonderful topic today, and the entire community is actually involved in it. So things are exciting. Like we're going to reveal at the end some very interesting questions that people asked, some very interesting things they have to say. But before uh, we get into all of this, what is the topic that we're going to talk about today? So the topic for this week, Duncan, is superstitions. Um, I think it's I think it's always a good one with, with poker players. You know, supposedly we don't believe in luck and it's all, you know, all the variants, everything is naturally occurring. But I think deep down, every single one of us has some sort of superstition um, that we that we hold on to. So we're going to we're going to dive uh, dive into that today. And um, we're going to start off do our, our usual. We're going to start off by defining what we mean when we Absolutely. talk about superstitions and get into some examples um, and then later on in the show, we're gonna we've got some as you said, we've got some very interesting questions from the village. Um, so we're gonna try and answer them. And then we're gonna reveal some interesting and wacky superstitions that were fed to us um through various channels. And I'm actually gonna I'm gonna throw this one out right now um for the audience. So a relatively famous online cash player, mm -hmm. um has a superstition that when they are on a downswing, they shave their facial hair in the hope that it improves their look. Um, That's awesome. So start start guessing, throw your guesses out there, and throw, we will reveal guesses. the answer at the end of the show. Absolutely, absolutely. And to whet your appetite even further, we're going to talk about our own quote-unquote superstitions. Uh, we will see how much they qualify and things like that. But... Let's jump right into it, right? I mean, we always talk about definitions, and today it's a doozy because finding a good definition of superstition is a challenge. And I would argue, I would argue one of the biggest issues that we can find out there is that instead of describing the innate uh, property of what superstition is, people describe epiphenomena, right? In other words, they're describing how people materialize superstition out in the world instead of what superstition is. An example would be, oh, what is gambling? Um, oh, gambling is, you know, roulette. Well, no, 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 no. Roulette is a form of gambling, but gambling is not roulette. So when people say, you know, people are going to go to the casino and that's what gambling is, they're sort of missing the point. Similarly with superstition, they say things like, I mean, let's, let's do a quick, uh, it was very interesting. Like, you know, if you do uh, a... a Google right now, and I'm doing it live as we speak. We're doing live a belief or practice resulting from ignorance, fear of the unknown, trust in magic or chance or false conception. 
I really do not like that definition. Or another definition. That's I, that's very that's a very negative definition. That's really that's really kind of throwing it out there that if you have superstitions, you're not necessarily all there in the head. You know, that, you've got a you've got a few screws loose. Exactly. A any belief or practice that's from Wikipedia, any belief or practice considered by non-practitioners to be irrational or supernatural attributed to fate uh, or magic. And I really I really don't think any of these definitions uh, get into what it is. Uh, let me just throw my version of definition, if you don't mind, and then you can tell me, you know, your your version, if you will, right? So um, the way I would define definition is the uninformed belief in a weak or non-existent causal, uh, causal link between action and consequence. What do I mean by that? is that people think if I do X, the result is gonna be a Y, right? I, I think, and what makes it a superstition instead of an educated guess is that there, uh, there's a weak or non-existent causal link. Everything else, talking about fear, magic, supernatural, irrationality, all of these are epiphenomena, right? So, and I would, you know, put out a second sentence, you know, it is often supernatural and clairvoyant in nature and occasionally accompanied by rituals, uh, which attempt to strengthen the, the aforementioned link, right? But it's a cause and effect situation, right? I'm wearing my, my, my red shirt because it's going to bring me luck. I'm avoiding the black cat because, uh, again, when I, I'm going to get, uh, avoid bad fortune. So it's usually a, I do A in order to get B, and that that causal uh, or correlational relationship is typically pretty weak. Yeah, it's 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 funny that you say that that's how that's how you define it because I don't often spend a lot of time before the show thinking about mm -hmm. how I would define our particular topic. It just kind of I I like to let it kind of flow organically. But I actually I actually put a little thought into this and I was like, mm -hmm. how would I define a superstition? Like why mm -hmm. what exactly? And almost identical to what you actually said. I um how you know it was um X occurs mm -hmm. because I do Y when X and Y bear almost no relation to each other That's right. and may not even be in the same, you know, sphere. That's exactly, that's exactly correct. And it's, it's actually very interesting because it's all about the causal link, right? Or yeah. the correlational link. It's all about the link. Is the link strong or not? And typically, if it's not strong, that's why we call it a superstition, right? But it's interesting. It is interesting because then it raises a lot of interesting questions. For example, here's a question. Are superstitions really irrational? Like really deeply, deeply irrational? Meaning, do they come from people who are not using logic? And I can be very specific. I can give you an example, right? Let's say that I, I ask you the following, um, I'm saying the following statement. The tree or the trees uh, are made of demons, right? So demons live inside those trees. Demons will hurt me. I do not like to be hurt. Therefore, I should avoid sleeping under the tree. This is, and here's, here's my question. Is that a valid or invalid argument? In other words, does it logically imply the conclusion that do the conclusions follow logically, rationally from the premises? And let me repeat what I just said, right? The trees are made of demons. 
or demons live in the trees. Demons will hurt me. I do not like to be hurt. Therefore, I should avoid sleeping under the tree. Am I rational or irrational? And then, in, 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 is this a valid or invalid argument? Yeah, I, I, I think I, I do understand what, what, you're, what you're actually saying. And yeah, I think this is a rational argument because it's based in logic, in what you, in your beliefs. And um, it's, it's a logical flow through. There's no, like, you can, you can say that the logic is flawed because whatever you believe about demons, but the actual, the process, the logic you have, because that's your belief, that is your, that is your logic flow and your process. So yeah, it's absolutely rational. It's to, absolutely uh, rational. And it's very important it's absolutely to say, rational. there is nothing wrong with the logic here. It's very important. What is wrong yeah. is with the, the truth of the assumption. So this is in, in yes. logic, it's called a valid yet unsound statement. What it means is that it has a false conclusion, but the logic flows perfectly. So somebody yeah. who indeed believes that there are demons inside trees, they will make that conclusion if they are of um, a rational mind. I would make the same conclusion. If I start with the assumption, uh, if I start with the assumption that there's demons inside the trees, I will make the same conclusion, which means it's not about irrationality, right? It is, as a matter of fact, it is about finding weak correlations or finding correlations where none exist. So it's basically our way, um, our pattern recognizing device gone wrong, essentially, right? It's it's essentially creating a uh, an unsound situation because our pattern recognizing or our um, proto-scientific, if you will, approach to things, our proto-rationality goes wrong because the data is insufficient or we get uh, try to give an answer where none exists. This is what, you know, Taleb will call... Um, um, the uh, be fooled by randomness, but it's not just the lab, it's everybody, right? I mean, when you try to see a pattern, if somebody puts, you know, a gun in your head and they tell you, you know, here is a random generator, can you see a pattern? Of course you can find a pattern, right? But that pattern is just pure noise. So um, what are some types of, uh, of, of superstition? I think we have, like, I think there's th like that, there are superstitions that are, kind of personal to us you know mm -hmm. things that we do ourselves like right. for a poker player example you uh enter a tournament day one you run up a big stack you're not changing your t-shirt till the tournament ends like that's right. a form of a superstition it's right you you believe it's brought you luck or for whatever reason that's that's one form um i think there are there are more cultural um superstitions like people in general believe um certain things i think a really good example that's i know it's widely uh held yeah. it's not even specific to one country is friday the 13th uh -huh. like that's like i mean that's 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 pretty much a global thing i i, I right. think certainly in a, certainly in western culture um that the fact that friday the 13th is unlucky and that's like that's extremely broad Absolutely. and then and then I think there are kind of funny ones that and okay. I, this was one I was thinking of because I have a particular one with this where I have superstitions around my behavior that mm -hmm. affect other people, mm. i.e. my sports team. Mm. So, for example, one uh, super, a superstition that I have in with my GAA Gaelic football team 
is that if I have not bought the the new jersey for that season and worn it before the first game of the season, I cannot buy it and wear it during the season because it's bad luck. Right. <laughs> that makes sense. You know, that, that makes sense. And it's it's actually interesting to try and find out, you know, where uh, that may be coming from, right? Uh, and it's it could be, I know a lot of people will think, well, that's completely random. But it's actually incredibly hard to be random, as a matter of fact. Humans are terrible at being random. We cannot be random. No matter how hard we, we try, we, we, we don't do it well. I think we, I think that's been proved over and over again on this podcast and many others. We don't do randomness well. We don't do randomness well. We don't respond to it very well, and we cannot generate it ourselves very well, right? I mean, if you if you tell somebody, you know, create a random sequence of heads and tails, they will create some pattern. They just won't realize it. They will let, not let, for example, the tails come more than three times in a row because what are the odds of that? You know. <laughs> uh, but here is the interesting thing. Um, typically in things like that, and I think that's what separates um, the the definition of the superstition that we get from the other definitions, is that that's not necessarily rational if you think about it. It's just really bad data mining. What I mean by that is that perhaps, you know, and of course I don't want to put words uh, uh, in your mouth or anything like that, but perhaps people who do this type, have these types of behaviors, perhaps you did that once, you bought the jersey at some point and your team lost the championship or something like that. So by using the sample of one, you're creating some sort of like correlational pattern, which is, by the way, what humans do really, really well, picking up patterns. Now, the inferences might be bad, but the patterns that we're picking, they're out there. So you are doing something incredibly causal. You're responding to some data point. Whether or not your inference or your conclusion is what a proper science would do is a completely different story, but you are responding, and this is very relevant, you are responding to a trigger. So you are picking up a pattern. And that, oh, let me give you another example. Do you know how Friday the 13th came about? I found that by doing research. I didn't know myself. No, actually, I don't, <laughs> believe it or not. It's a combination of two things. It's a combination of two things. The first one comes from, um, uh, and I'm giving you like the most dominant theory, right? That there's several theories as it is the case with typical things like that. So the first one comes from a religious influence, the famous Last Supper, where there were 13 people and all hell broke loose after that. So as you can see, that's a pattern. You have 13 people, something bad happens. So 13 means bad. It means bad in that one instance, of course. So it's like the bad statistics but the relationship is there. That's rational. What is, it's not good science, but it is proto-science in some sense, right? And that is something that, you know, if we want to be honest about this type of things, instead of just finding, you know, an answer that is like, oh, you know what, all the superstitious people are just stupid. Like, how, like, that's not a satisfying answer. Like, what is it that they're doing? What is it exactly? What is the disagreement compatibility? What is it that's happening inside the human brain that makes us mess up so many times? And why so many of us are doing it, even people who are like scientifically inclined. So there is more than just stupidity there. It is some sort of like useful mechanism that is being misapplied in a certain way. And I think that that, that can be relevant. So why Friday? Why Friday? Did you know that in Europe, I didn't know that either. Did you know that in Europe, uh, they 
when they were doing the hanging back in the medieval ages, they will hang people on Friday. So it was typically, it was a typical day of hanging. So if you would have, if you, and I, I don't know why I'm, I'm, I'm laughing here. I mean, I think it's just ridiculous. But, uh, you know, if you were to be sentenced to death, you know, Friday was the day. So now you have a double whammy of, you know, the Last Supper, 13 people, all hell is going to break loose. And Friday, which is people, again, going to get hanged. So Friday 13th, it's literally all about death. Wow. That, that, yeah, it's like, in fairness, it, it makes it makes sense. When you when when you say it like that, and I think I think if you were to dig into a lot of superstitions, um, especially those sort of the bigger ones, you know, the really sort of cultural ones, a lot of them do have their roots in um, in religion, yeah, right. in some form, you know, whatever whatever your uh, particular belief system is, right. but. Um, but yeah, that's that's a really fun, interesting. But it's actually interesting that they hung people on a Friday. Like I've heard, I've heard of uh, the idea you put out bad news on a Friday because nobody reads newspapers on the <laughs> weekend. I can't imagine that was the issue back in those days. But um, yeah, that's that's an interesting one. And and here's another sort of like speculation, right? So imagine that you live in a time where you know there's a lot of death on Friday, right? And because there's a lot of death on Friday. I mean, it's logical, and I mean completely logical, not superstitious at all, to think that there's going to be a lot of negativity in the environment, right? Right. I, I would imagine that if there were people dying left and right, it couldn't be cause for celebration, right? Which means it would legitimately be a bad day to do things. Like everybody would be on their bad mood. And that's the type of thing that I, I call proto-science. There's typically some form of correlational aspect that is picked up by very, very... Uh, sensitive brains, and it's just misapplied. But that's not irrationality. It is just bad data collecting, right? This is a different yeah. thing. It's not It's not invalid. It's very much valid. Logic is still alive and kicking. What is not is sound. It's unsound, but valid. And that's, you know, I, I don't know, like I find that very, very, uh, very interesting um, uh, m- myself and that would that would kind of follow because like that if there is like that so much negativity around like i mean if you arrive on friday morning and it's like that it's considered a day when a lot of people are gonna die there's a lot of negative energy and that negative energy seeps out like it moves from one person to the next and right. in fact it can easily infect a population you know for Absolutely. that particular day the same way we get um infected in a good mood over holiday periods you know because everybody's in a good mood and that sort of the joy spreads throughout most people the same is 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 true for you know sort of bad energy and negative emotions so yeah that's that that would uh that that does make it actually but it makes a lot of sense again it's 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 very rational Absolutely. And, 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 and after that, it sort of like propagates, right? Because again, if you, if you do that over a period of years, then, you know, uh, mom and dad pass that to the kid, the kid passes to, to, to their kid. And incidentally, what is out of all, um, you know, scientists have done research on that topic, actually, right? I mean, trying to find what types of personalities or what type of situations are the most likely to produce um, an environment where people are susceptible to develop uh, superstition. Do you want to make a wild guess? What is number one on the list? Although the correlational uh, aspect of it is not very high, and I will explain what that means later. I have no idea. 
it's it's certainly not genetic, so that's not number one on the list. So th there's two things. Number one on the list is if you live in an environment where people are superstitious, you typically could be superstitious yourself. And then the second thing is that people who have anxiety in general tend to have more, uh, they're more prone to superstition. And the reason for that is that part of the reason why superstitions exist, again, it is our need, that's why we use the, the pattern-based uh, uh, methodology that we have, it's our need to control the environment. And that's why we're, yes. we're using our patterns, right? What does it mean to control the environment? It means I want to understand what's happening. Like there is a lot of uncertainty here, but I I want to see patterns. I need patterns because I don't know how to deal with randomness. I need patterns to exist. Where are my patterns? Let's create some. Let's find the best patterns possible. And the more anxiety we have, the less likely we are to feel comfortable in a an uncertain environment because that creates even more anxiety. Now, I said earlier, the correlation is very low. That means that the chances of somebody who has anxiety, if I tell you all else being equal, somebody's very anxious, are they superstitious? It only moves the needle by something like 10%, right? You know, so this is what, you know, for statisticians are there, the R squared is about 10%, which means about 10% of the variability can be explained through anxiety, which essentially means it's very, very, very weak correlation, very weak correlation, anxiety, and uh, the environmental things. But still a higher correlation than any other sort of environmental or situational factors. It's Correct. it's it's low, but it's the highest in a very low category is basically what you're saying. Absolutely. 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 And um, so um, wh what are some, some other examples? I mean, there, there is some really nice examples in uh, uh, coming from Asia, you know, uh, eight is lucky because it sounds when you pronounce it like prosperity, I believe, and then four. Uh, most people or, think, unlucky because it sounds like it sounds like a word for death. That's correct. Um, That's correct. I, again, never knew, never, never knew that four was unlucky, <laughs> and never knew that um, that it was it was because it was related to related to death, which typically, from what I looked at. Typically, a lot of the Asian um, superstitions are very specific around death. Um, there was one I saw where in the presence of at a funeral or in a graveyard to tuck your thumbs into your fist, because mm -hmm. the belief is that this is um, this protects your parents from mm -hmm. death is the superstition around that one. I Interesting. I would be very interested in finding the roots of that. Like, you know, like there, there there must be some roots. And here's the interesting thing, right? I mean, the roots can be something completely ridiculous. And then you have the uh, socially hereditary uh, element of it. Meaning, you know, once some ridiculous, for some ridiculous reason, that uh, thing uh, flo um, uh, grows and uh, it spreads into the population, then it's very easy to spread it into the descendants, right? So then we can understand why so many people are. Uh, but that's very, very interesting. Would you would you happen to to know the origins of that one? The, the thumbs. No, the I didn't actually. I I didn't actually get uh, get deep enough to uh, to find the the origins of that one. Um, maybe I might look into that, and I'll, uh, I'll I'll throw an answer up into the up into the village, into Greatness Please. Village in the coming days. Um, if anyone wants to to check that out, 
Absolutely. And, uh, and incidentally, this is probably as good time as any to let people know that moving forward, uh, we sort of like really liked uh, your responses. So moving forward, we're going to be letting you know of the topic ahead of time so you can throw some interesting uh, interesting questions. So for us to do a little bit of research and uh, be I- involved in the topic, it's really nice, you know, involving the, uh, the, the community. Um, so uh, w- what else do we have? Uh, is there any, uh, we talked about uh, the definition, we talked about types, we talked a little bit about the reasons, you know, the need for control, order, out of chaos, and also it, sometimes it's low cost. You know, it doesn't really cost to have like a, a wacky uh, sort of like belief about things. And um, also sometimes I, you seem to get... I, I, I sometimes think the the, the factor that, uh, that sometimes gets applied to people who may not be religious, but in situations they will pray, what's right. the harm? It can, I, it can only it can only be plus EV to do this thing. It 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 will it there's be no negative aspect to this That's at right. all. So I'm That's just right. gonna throw it in there as a bit of extra extra protection or extra good look if if it's possible. That's right. The so-called non-negative EV, right? I mean, it can never be yes. negative. So Pascal's wager, right? I mean, what what what's, what can go wrong? I might as well yeah. t- t- take a shot of it. But speaking of which, when do you think are some situations where superstitions can be dangerous? Because it's not all fun and games. Right? Some of the things can actually be detrimental uh, to our to our being. That's an interesting one, and I think I think sometimes when we and I listen, I, I don't want to sort of drag us off topic too much, but I think, and this is getting back to this is actually I. It was interesting. I saw this meme earlier and it, mm-hmm. it, it kind of got me thinking, even though it was even though it was meant as a joke, but it actually it kind of does make sense that um religion and uh superstitions are the same thing with just different spellings. Mm. That now again, a, a big a big asterisk beside this one. I do not think religions are all based in superstitions, but some of the um there are similarities no, shall no, we that, say that's right yeah no no so yeah so i think so i i think from a dangerous point of view sometimes is when we like probably take these things too far you know I, because taking anything too far taking anything right. to an extreme is going to be dangerous um so yeah that's that's probably the one thing that i could see i'm sure you have something in mind duncan that i just haven't that i just haven't thought of maybe you might enlighten us a little oh sure no no i mean you know again doing doing some research finding some uh, some examples but you said something very interesting that i want to uh, i want to touch on a little bit because um the idea of uh, superstitions and, and religion and uh, um and i i don't necessarily th- think that um it is that religions have you know uh, s- stronger underlying principles or anything like that i mean i, I don't think that's where uh, the the similarity is i i think that the the similarity um the the difference comes from the fact that um the reason why religions have survived for so long is because of how people act 
not how people think, yes. right? Because yes. in most situations in, I mean, to this day, I don't know what people really believe. Like, you know, I ask a different person of the same uh, uh, belief system and I typically get a different answer. So I have no idea what really happens inside their minds. But one thing that we can tell is how people act in the rituals and the processes and yes. all of these things is what makes and breaks certain situations. And as a matter of fact, it is documented that both rituals and faith can potentially be helpful. But like with everything, you know, there's bad rituals and there's bad faith. So if, if the faith, you know, helps people to actually create communities, uh, be helpful to one another, gather together, love each other, protect each other, that can be helpful. But if, you know, like the rituals make people, you know, like uh, explode themselves, go into crusades or whatever it may be, that's a different story. So I think ultimately the decision is not in truth. It's not if religion is true or not. And it's not if the superstition is true or not. In, in the end of the day is about, I would say, usefulness. And I think you nailed it. And usefulness as it is derived from the actual doing it, from the actual process, yeah, right? So it is, and you're right. It's all about the it's all about the practice, the act of going to church, the praying, right. the various, exactly. and depending on what your your culture is or That's your right. particular religion and the the various rituals that you have. Um, it's all in those acts, and that's that's the basis for what I was what I was getting at. Exactly right, and and it's the praying, not who you're praying to. This is very important. It's the praying, yes. not who you're praying to, uh, praying to, because again, that could explain why people who are non-believers they pray. It's not because they ask for the help. It's all the emotional responses that, in the end of the day, matter. Right? I think that's that's actually a very important uh, distinction, right? It, the idea that it's not what people think or believe, that's, that's secondary. It's how they act. It's not what you say. <laughs> it's what you do, right, in the end of the day. And as we will see, I think it's, it's relevant to poker. But, like, there's two examples, I think, which are very, very relevant. And, 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 and these two examples are uh, obviously uh, gambling. Uh, excessive gambling, right? And, yes. and, and in my definition, that would be the, the the version of negative EV gambling, right? You know, sometimes people say, you know what? I mean, I'm on a up streak right now. If I stay a little bit more, you know, I can win in, in roulette or whatever it is. And that, you know, or today is, you know, Friday the 13th, I shouldn't go at the poker table and that, you know, could hurt an otherwise, you know, profitable day. Uh are quite a common one with 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 gambling duncan is is very much associated with um horse racing or even mm. dog racing right. you know somebody's oh my look at the name of that horse right. that it's a sign you know like it might be their child's name some right. variation of their wife's name or it speaks to them and all of a sudden that's a sign i must bet money on this um now most people that do that will have a small flutter. You know, it'll be very, it'll be an inconsequential amount of money that they're happy to lose and it's no harm. It's just a bit of fun. But as you say, people take it to extremes. Somebody with a propensity or, or a serious addiction may see this as a sign to get out of the hole as such. And all of a sudden, a massive wager goes on. That's, that's a huge problem. That's a huge problem. Indeed, exactly. Anything that goes to, to extreme levels and it's no longer low cost because we said, you know, superstitions 
can be low cost. And and who knows, maybe you picked up a pattern that nobody else has. You know, that sometimes happens too. You know, maybe black cats had a virus that, you know, we didn't know about. And, you know, who knows, right? And I'm not saying that this is likely, by the way. For the scientifically minded out there, I want you to, you know, make sure that, you know, you understand the argument here. My argument is not that we should take superstition seriously. My argument is that they come from a, 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 well-intended mechanism that is misapplied, right? So, and and that misapplication sometimes, you know, could, because again, it's a a well-intended, well-functioning mechanism can actually pick up important patterns from time to time. So, rarely, but, you know, (laughs) we can, we can. And of course, the other thing that that comes to mind is alternative medicine. You know, uh, I know a lot of people are, and when I'm talking about alternative medicine, you know, there are some uh, uh, some things that you know scientifically um, not not only they they don't help but they could make a situation worse. Uh, there are situations of people you know like having cancer and then taking you know some sort of like an, an alternative medicine and then you know getting worse or situations like this. I'm not saying that you know chemotherapy could be better with all of the, the toxicity, but you know there there's there's a difference between the evidence is is different, right? I mean. On the one hand, we have a situation where some of the you know brightest minds of of you know um, of humanity have worked on the specific topic for years, and on the other hand, we have somebody who's basically giving you water, right? And yeah. and to be fair, you know, if we want to be fair in all of these things, sometimes there are psychological aspects, the so-called placebo effect that can actually have beneficial properties. And famously, uh, Taleb has said that part of the reason, um, uh, that's one of the things that I disagree with him, but like, you know, one of the reasons why people um, uh, survived with religion is that during like the 1800s, you know, the doctors would do more bad than good. So just by praying, you actually stayed out of the doctor's out of the butcher's office, yeah. not the doctor's office. So it, it actually probably had some it had some basis in data at that stage because it uh, the results the results were actually better whether the causal effect was necessarily the case, but it was uh, the results certainly skewed in that direction. Right. So one has to be careful, and I mean things like that things like that can happen, but uh, but for the most part, I mean it's it all comes down to to evidence, right? And um, the evidence is just not comparable in some situations, you know, like the, um, a, a a nice a colleague of mine said it really nicely. You know, it said if it's a claim about the natural world, we can actually test it. It's that simple. You know, if it's not a claim about the natural world, I would say, who cares? But the question is how we act that that I care about, you know. Um, so yeah, I think. I, I think certainly in cases like that, um, where like people actually make a choice, like if you added it in and instead of it, instead of it being an alternative, it was complementary to the more sure. scientific process where we know it's not going to have a negative effect um, on you simply by doing it. It only the negative effect comes by the opportunity cost, as it were, right. of not doing something else. But no problem doing both. Like, why Why are we reducing our chances here? If there's two things that claim to fix something, well, if they if they don't necessarily interact in a negative way, why aren't we just doing everything? You Absolutely. know, it's, again, this is this is zero. There's no negative. There's no neg- negative negativity when you're uh, when you're when you're looking at the light in the sky as the potential ending point 
you know, like let's let's take everything we can get at that stage. Throw it all at me. Absolutely, absolutely. And it, it all comes down to opportunity cost. So if it if it doesn't stop you from doing something else, great. But if it does stop you from doing something else, then you have to consider the the opportunity cost. Yes, absolutely. So uh, let's get to some meat and potatoes here. Like, what are some interesting uh, superstitions that, uh, I mean, we're definitely going to talk about our own. The other thing, you know, it's going to be interesting for the listeners. But first, uh, people like threw something, some interesting stuff uh, around, like in, in, in the social media. Peter? Yeah. Um, so I had one on, I had a good one from Jaywin, who mm-hmm. is a member of the village and also a, He's a, a popular YouTube vlogger and regularly appears on a lot of the big Texas um, Texas poker streams. So people Lodge. will uh, people will know him from there. So mm-hmm. if I just pull it up here, Shall and Jay said when he tosses in his bet and the chips bounce back to him, he knows he's win winning that pot one hundred percent. That's. Yeah, that's like that it. was that's the sign. It's yeah. uh, the money's the money's coming back to him. So that, that, that's right, and it's it's actually it's actually very interesting because when I hear something like that, I mean, uh, there's another correlational pattern, right? When something comes to us, more often than not, right? When something comes to you, what are the chances that that thing was not intended to come to you, right? So our, you know what I mean? If something comes to you, out of all the times that something has come to you, how many times have you kept it in the end, right? The vast majority, maybe. Who knows, right? But but the point here is that we, we're picking up that pattern. So when something's coming to us, it makes sense to say, oh, you know, instinctively, oh, yeah, I mean, some someone is giving it to us. I don't think that's irrational at all, by the way. I mean, you know, obviously, obviously, it's incorrect. It's unsound, right? But it's not in sort of like invalid, uh, all else being equal, it's not an invalid conclusion to make to say, listen, most of the time that something comes to me stays with me. So, you know, if I close my eyes for a second and I don't look how it got to me, I, sh- I have to assume that it's going to stay with me. It's like it's like sitting at when you're sitting at the poker table, you're all in. But, you know, you're all in your your four percent chance of winning two cards, two cards, possibly in the whole deck to get you out. And you're calling for X cards to right. come and the card comes. And the idea that you call him for that card, which was in a physical deck in front of you, was set five minutes ago that that in any way changed because of what you were thinking and calling for and sending positive energy into the deck. Like, yeah, the causal effect is probably not there. It's probably very, very low. But again... That, like I mean, either you were getting that card or you weren't. But I think it, it sometimes gives us a, gives us a, an even better sense when it actually comes off. It's almost like, oh my god, I I did that. I was thinking of that card. Absolutely. And again, the ne- the negative ones too. Like you know, I, I and I have seen Antonio Asfandiari do this previously on stream. Oh, what card? Oh, what's the thing? Don't think of the card. Okay, uh, <laughs> don't think of the king. Don't think of the king. Don't think of the king. Ah oh, shit! I was talking about the king, and the king came. You know, like this, like how much of it is in jest, and how much he actually he actually believes is another thing. But again, the thought is there. These are these are little rituals that people have, and things that go through their head that again have no have no real basis in. They've no basis in actually scientific fact, but the process 
the 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 logic in their mind is yeah is 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 sound if i think about this card that's what's gonna go yeah i would i would say it doesn't have a basis on sound science like it doesn't have a basis on good science it does have a basis on rationality which is the weird thing right what that's what i'm trying to say it is a valid argument it's just like i said it's misapplying the data it's just you know making um the the conclusion makes sense, but we're starting from the wrong place. And the reason why we start from the wrong place is because accidentally there was a nudge in that direction. Like I said, you know, uh, either something comes to us, so we think, oh yeah, more often than not, when something comes to us, we win. Or you know, something horrible happened uh, one time when we thought about the king, and the king came, so it was like, okay, maybe we shouldn't do that again. But there is a difference there between uh, m- miss. Uh, misapplication, if you will, of proper science uh, or misguidance, however you're going to call it, in irrationality. I think that's this is a very, very big distinction. And then, and then, and then of course, the uh, you know, our, our the, the the face of the brand, Mr. Wilson, had to come right. in with his own little, you know, and he he uh, he said he's not superstitious; that he's only a little stitious. So Indeed. thanks for that one, Brad. That was a sound, meaningful contribution to uh, <laughs> to today's debate. Well done. Thank you. <laughs> great, great, great. So what are some of our, of our own, Peter? Like, what, where don't you start? What are some? Uh, I, I, so a long time ago when GTO was something you drove and blockers still only played football, um, I used to play quite a lot of live poker and mm-hmm. sometimes online. But if I was going to play live that night, mm-hmm. I would not play online during the day for fear I used up all my run good. <laughs> because I, in my mind, I only had X amount of run good that day. And if I played online and happened to win, you know, some sitting goals or whatever I was playing at the time. Well, mm-hmm. that meant there was no way I was winning the tournaments that I was entering that evening right. at the local card room. Absolutely. So, yeah, that's, you know, that's that's just completely at odds with everything we know about variants, etc. However, it made sense to me at the time. Absolutely. And let me just say, not only it makes sense, these are the type of things that... Um, I mean, my students bring that stuff all the time. And I take it very seriously, right? I try to understand where this is coming from because it's, like I said, it's easy to say, oh, are you are you an idiot? Like, why would you do that? But there's a very good reason. There's a very good reason. And here is, uh, incidentally, I just want to say, before I say why there's a very good reason to say something like that, uh, Patrick also from the village was saying something similar, you know, exactly the same thing. Like people, people are doing this and there's a very good reason. It is, it is essentially misapplication of, uh, of the probability space, right? So in general, there's two different ways to assign probability space. And this is just fancy talk for all the possibilities out there. If I tell you, you know, let, let, let's use coins to keep it simple, right? I mean, let's say we flip, we flip a coin. And I tell you, flip a coin like a thousand times. What kind of distribution heads and tails, a fair coin, let's say? you're expecting to see what sort of like distribution of like co- like what kind of ratio heads to tails if you flip a thousand coins it should be it should be roughly even but it's 
probably not going to be any more than a percentage either way. That's right. No bats, if though, right? You for, right. No, no, yeah. no bats at this point. You know, we're approaching it from first principles. You're absolutely right. It should be yeah. close, close to 50-50. So there is, right, there is a, um, uh, the, uh, sometimes people call that uh, um, um, convergence to the mean, you know, or uh, going, going back to the mean, I forget the, the exact word that people are using in the, in the markets right now, but it doesn't matter, right? That's correct. Like, this is the law of large numbers. That's actually a theorem that is actually absolutely correct. So if you start from coin zero to a coin a thousand, you do expect to see a 50-50. But here's the interesting thing. Now, let's say that you flipped 600 of those coins and you have 400 coins left, right? Only 400 left. You've done the 600 have been flipped and you have 400 coins to go. And during the flipping of the 600 coins, you saw something like 350 and 250 distribution, right? You saw a distribution, a 5 to 5, a 7 to 5 distribution, right? So what do you expect the outcome to be when you're done with the, the remaining 400 coins? So, so far, let's say the heads are winning by 100. So what do you expect to happen after you're done with the 400 coins? Yeah, if you were to follow on from what you have actually seen, you would think that, yeah, the greater number um, is going to just, that that ratio is probably going to continue onward and you're probably going to end up with something around 650 to 350 or 700 to 300 if that was to naturally follow. Uh, you know what the funny thing is? Actually, that's the correct statistical thinking, actually. Funny enough, this is actually the correct statistical thinking because assuming assuming that you don't know that the coin is fair, right? Because you're yes. using actually information to make prediction for the future. That is actually the correct way a gambler should think, right? If you see already a seven to five distribution on the first 600 coins, the remaining 400 coins should follow that distribution. But if you know ahead of time that the coin is fair and you just sort of like got unlucky on the head side, then that 100 head start should not be diminished. It should stay there. Because those 400, they're, you know, on average, they're going to be 200, 200. So you're going to see a 50-50 distribution there. So that lead, their heads will maintain. And, and, yes. the thing, and the thing is, the thing is that we have a contradiction in our heads either way. Either we have to say, no, 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 no. The tails have to catch up. In which case we're like, which one is it? If I just forget about the 600 and only concentrate on the 400, which one is it? The tails are catching up. But then if I do a different experiment where I start from zero to 400, then the tails do not catch up. That's a contradiction also. Or we have to, you know, think in ourselves, oh, you know what? But I mean, how about the um, re 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 reversion to the mean? You know, like I have to deal with that, right? But the reversion to the mean is from the starting point. It's not from all the information you have so far. This is called conditional probabilities, and it's a very formally defined in mathematics but there is a very deep reason like a super deep reason why we're having this superstition you know this is sort of like a, a pet peeve of mine it's very serious to take it seriously we can't just say oh come on are you stupid everything is independent actually i go in great lengths in the book to say that the person who says everything is independent is not the smartest person in the room because they're not taking into account prior evidence Right. And, and and you said that, actually, you said, well, you know, it would seem if we see a, a seven to five ratio, we have to take that evidence 
into account, right? And that's you the correct You can only use the data point. You can only go with the data points you have in right. front of you. And as you say, if you haven't been told that it's a fair coin, that's all you can use to make your, to make your assumptions. That, 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 that's exactly right. So I, I, I do think that this is a very, like, I, I don't know, like I take this thing seriously, right? Because again, they show up all the time and understanding that confusion, understanding where it's coming from, instead of dismissing it and saying, oh, this is something stupid. Come on, how, how could you not know? You know, I mean, who are we? To, like, how did we know? And why are we so certain? What is the point? And why is that person missing it? You know, and we're not. Are we Are we somehow better than them? I mean, come on. Like, who who really, like, thinks comfortable with, with, with that idea? Why, you know, are we better? In, in, in what way? We're all human here. Try, try to, to figure it out. I don't like that theory. You know, like, yeah. uh, so, you know, it's very elitist and very nonsensical to me. Um, so... And I think just to, just to sort of add, especially when you're dealing with things like, you know, like these sort of 50-50 situations, mm -hmm. sample sizes, sample size is always the key. The yes. smaller the sample size, the bigger the likelihood of a skew in the in the data, as you say, a divergence from the mean, if you right. will. You know, you're going to if you flip it 10 times, you could easily see 10 heads. That's right. You know. Bigger numbers, bigger sample is always better when you're when you're when you're reviewing this stuff from a from a data collection point of view. And obviously, like 50-50 shots are the most basic, but sure. like I mean, it applies in every situation, especially in poker. That's right. Yeah, that's the law of large numbers, right? I mean, essentially the variance yeah. goes to zero. I mean, you can you can prove it mathematically. That means that um, you do it long enough, you can get the the, the expected outcome. So expectation yeah. stays the same, but variance is being reduced as the sample increases. Yeah, like we we get that a lot using like the uh, data analysis stuff when we're when we're reviewing. Like we'll be looking at a spot and it'll come up with us. It'll come up with a, you know uh, we'll have a strategy based off that. But the, there'll be a proviso that okay, the sample was quite small there. You know, we used a very small sample, so we'll be keeping an eye on that because we're, we don't necessarily have a confidence in it. Whereas something else. We've got thousands of examples of that. That's you know that's that's more much more likely to be uh, to be sound. But the other, yeah, we have to be careful. The data collection is small on that one. So Absol yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Sample size. Sample size is very very important. But but do you know how long it took for people to realize that sample size matters? Probably it's a long time. A long time. So we can't really be mad at people not understanding the the. And actually, how many people do you think they can actually prove? The, the the law of large numbers. It's actually no no not easy to prove. I mean, if you're a mathematician, it's 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 fairly easy. But if you know, if, if you don't have the formal training, how, how do you prove something like that? I you would know? not I wouldn't know where to I wouldn't even know where to start. Um, but my my point is it's yeah. not exactly something we're, you know, um wired to understand. So if people have trouble with the law of large numbers, that makes perfect sense. I mean, it's it's not an obvious, like the fact that the sample has to be greater, it's not trivial, it's not obvious. So misapplying that idea and just looking at a sample of one that we bought that jersey and our team won, therefore the jersey yeah. might be like, makes sense. Makes sense. It's rational based modulo, if you win, the information we have at this point, under our understanding of how things work. And it's important to understand that so that we can grow, right? I mean, otherwise, you know, if if everybody's trying to convince us that we're idiots just because we think that way, then we may give up on math entirely because, hey, you know, I don't understand math, right? But in actuality, it's something that 
the entire humanity didn't understand until the, until they did you know with the revolution of, of of statistics which happened very recently you know like a couple hundred years ago pretty much essentially so we should you know take all these things with a grain of salt especially you know like keep your you know flaming <laughs> be, be polite yeah. to people these are not exactly uh, easy things to, uh, to 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 deal with uh -huh. so duncan what 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 are some of your superstitions or do you have any superstitions or little rituals maybe that sure. fall into that category that you'd yeah. like to share with the listener absolutely like yeah again i mean uh, my my approach to um you know superstitions in general mine is a little bit a little bit different like the uh i'll give you an example of, of, of what i do and i'm actually fairly comfortable with this um i i try to avoid hubris and by that i mean it feels horrible to me to like uh you know how sometimes life slaps you in the face and then sometimes slaps you in the ball sometimes both of them sometimes it slaps your face in the balls you know like all, so at, once. <laughs> all at once right so i i don't like a situation where you know i'm going to say something with confidence like let's say trash talk somebody and then all of a sudden they beat my ass right i hate that like there's not there's no worse feeling than that so i like for example i like to avoid hubris so let's say that instead of saying you know uh, instead of saying i'll see you in two years i will say something if all goes well, I'll see you in two years. That's that's not to to sound smart, but in some some sense, I do not want to provoke the universe, you know. And but again, it's like that's how you, you could explain it to somebody. But you know, if I really think about it, it's really I'm trying to avoid that feeling of being, you know, slapped in various parts of my body. You yeah, know, the right? the idea that we the idea by by making a sort of something more definitive step. Statement, we're right. tempting faith. We're, good, we're, we're, tempt, we're tempting faith, which correct. I think is some a concept that I think people are very familiar with. You know, you don't, you know, oh, you know, this is in the bag. Touch wood. You know, they'll make Absolutely. the statement and then they'll they'll touch, they'll they'll knock on wood to sort of, you know, please, you know, let's let's leave it like that. Don't uh, don't knock me off course here. Absolutely, yes, and and I think like you know. I again I, I try to uh to the best of my abilities, you know, like I try to act, you know, as metahumility being a real thing, you know, like uh, trying to avoid avoid hubris uh if 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 possible. And of course, somebody will say, Well, Duncan doesn't change anything. If you say I'll see you in two years, I mean you still have the same chance of dying and not making in two years. Right. And I and I totally, totally understand that. But like from a practical standpoint, again, all that matters is how you act, not what how you think. I wanna avoid myself from being in a situation of actually being wrong about something and then being incredibly overly confident you know and then it's it it, it hurts you know 10 times as much um just to uh i i was looking and poor, poor renee actually in the village also actually had an interesting yeah. uh had an interesting one and it was kind of i think that this is more one he kind of gave up and Renee told us that he had bought a he bought a he had a bracelet and um, mm -hmm. he bought for playing live because people are you know sort of always looking at your hands. Right. He said he wore it, uh, lost six buy-ins over the course of two sessions, and threw it out the car window on the way home. So it was the uh, 
a, a negative causational uh, factor that that right. Rene was Rene was poor Rene was applying to his to his uh, much maligned bracelet, which is now gathering dust somewhere on a on a Texas highway. Absolutely, absolutely, and it's sort of like again, like a, it uh, it matches the things that we're talking about. It gives a sense of control. And again, not not to psychoanalyze uh, Rene, of course, but I it just it, it's interesting since we're talking oh, about that we, topic. We don't have that much time, to be fair. Now, <laughs> <laughs> oh, Rene, uh, Rene, yeah, shout oh, out to Rene, Rene. We could we could be here for a while. <laughs> okay, you're officially invited, you know, to to speak your own piece. Like, just consider this the official invitation to to to, to speak your mind. But but yeah, I mean, it's getting control of over the the situation. It's low cost. Um, a blow of steam, all of these things. So it's it's very um, uh, proto-rational. It's not rational, but it's not irrational either. Like, I mean, there are correlational patterns. It's just that correlation does not imply causation. And it's very difficult for us, for our minds to feel that way. We see correlation as causation. That's like, that's how we feel. That's why we have such big issue with noise and variance and, and things like that. So that's so that's why we get fooled by randomness because we see patterns where none exist. So we pick up correlations. And I just, I hope I've stressed that enough because this is actually a point that I, I you know, I disagree with, with, with Taleb. His version is that, you know, people do irrational things because survivability precedes rationality. And that's, that's his argument. But I think that what we do for survivability really also comes from rationality, proto-rationality or weakly, um, uh, defined rationality or weakly um, polished. That would be a good word. Weakly polished rationality. And it, it's actually a form of which, um, like based off last week's topic of sort of uh, fancy play syndrome, the, it's, 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 they're kind of linked because it's, it's almost a need to add complexity to something that can be explained in a far more straightforward manner as right. it were you know right. there's always for anything happening there's usually you know a very you know straightforward reason but if you were start introducing the idea that you know a random act or something you did uh, you know brought about that uh particular action you're adding a layer of complexity to it right. where really it's not needed but you know it's like that in a lot of cases it's it's just a bit of fun and it, you know, it gives us uh it gives us something kind of to hang on to when we don't really have control. It, it gives us that sense of control in a, in a world of chaos at times. That's right. that's right. And that's a big part. And psychologists list that as the number one reason where people are superstition, superstitious. Mm -hmm. And we, by the way, we, we reached the point where we have, uh, we promised the listeners, we're going to have some really good questions that came from you guys. And for future reference, Go to, we'll talk about that. Go to the village, go to the Twitters of the world, post the questions because we're going to be uh, be reading it. And the best question gets bragging rights too. So um, we have a really nice question by uh, Decoy at uh, AC Decoy on Twitter and basically asks the following. If lack is the perception that the outer limits of probability being more improbable than they are, then is superstition related in impacting that perception or does it have no impact at all, right? So in other words, is the superstition affecting our perception of things around us? And I think we sort of like touched upon this and we, uh, we, 
we we answered it already, right? I mean, it's all about that sense of control. Absolutely, it does, right? I mean, we want to think that that lack is either more important or less important, depending on whether it's against us or in our favors or whatever it is. So uh, superstitions often feel a space which we do not fully understand, and, and that's what we're vulnerable to. So in order to gain back control, it is fair to say that it has a great impact in that regard, right? So, uh, yeah. Absolutely, because like there are there are always, especially with things like luck, and there are always outliers. Like the example I gave earlier, about the you know the the two outer on the river that you were thinking of, and right. all of a sudden the card came. Like how many times did you sit there calling for that card and it never came? Right. But you don't, rem- and that it comes back to recency. But you don't remember those times. Okay. You'll only remember the time that it worked. You okay. forget about the the forty five or fifty other times that it didn't work for you. So it, there are always those outliers to sort of prove that you can use to sort of prove um, prove your your logic is, is is sound, even if it's you know coming from a, an unsound basis. That's correct, and that's why we we call it misapplication of data collection, right? I mean, we we do cherry picking, we do all sorts of biases, but regardless, you know. That doesn't mean we're not rational. We're just exactly we're we're not we're not crazy people. We're not that's right. We're not nuts. Let's be clear. <laughs> so speak for yourself, Peter. I, I've lost my mind. <laughs> so, 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 uh, what I would argue, just to uh, excellent question by the way, by by decoy. What I would argue is that we're still using our pattern recognizing devices to pick the best candidate available. Uh, but the issue is that we often force a pick. Exactly what you basically said even if such pattern does not exist. We're essentially fooled by randomness, right? I mean, we try to create a pattern where none exists, but they, the whole point is we, we really are trying to affect uh, the, the perception, which is why, incidentally, uh, you know, I mentioned earlier, and this is scientifically proven, that both rituals and faith can potentially have a positive impact because it, they're actions. Who cares what people think? What matters is how they act, right? And how they act can actually make or break their entire lives. And incidentally, that sort of like brings us to the final question, which is an amazing question. Uh, I think it it, it it takes the cake. But but before we go there, was there anything else you wanted to add in, in the previous question, Peter? No, no, I think we, yeah, no, because I think as you, as you said, we had covered, I think we had kind of covered a lot of, um, a lot of the, the around the basis for the, the, that, that question in right. what we had said up to that point. So, yeah, no, happy to hear this next one. So the, the next one comes from the, the Spiel uh, at uh, Spiel blog. And the question is, apparently was asked also in uh, Maria Konikova's book. And uh, it was essentially asked by Eric Seidel at some point. And it goes something like this. Can one engage in a superstition-adjacent ritual, for example, using a lucky charm, say, without believing it, in a way that hurts, or I will add, helps one's mindset, right? So basically the question is, can you be involved in a ritual without creating any change in your, you know, psyche, so to speak? Can you be unscathed by a ritual that you don't believe in? And for anybody who's listening <laughs> so far, I think you know what, I, what I'm going to say, right? I mean, for anybody who's listening, I mean, you know, if... The, the premise that it doesn't matter what you think, all that matters is how you act, that's if you are in that ritual, you're acting in it, right? So that action can have 
all sorts of repercussions. Now, here's the thing. Like I said, it matters how you act. If you're there in the ritual and the whole time you're on your phone, your action is you're completely detached from the ritual. If you are on the ritual and you really are trying to hit on that, you know, uh, uh, cute girl that sits on the side, once again, you're not really in the ritual. But if you're really in the ritual, I would argue, because you're acting, that could have uh, very, very important consequences. And one thing that I realized by reading this beautiful, beautiful, beautiful question, I realized that's exactly what happens in poker. Right. If you think about it. Right. This is why poker, it's, it's a game of skill. It's not about reading minds. It's not about trying to figure out what the opponent has. It never was. It's about how they act. It's about dissecting their actions. It really isn't. Who cares what they have? Like when, when somebody, let me give you an example. Right. I mean, somebody will say, you know what? Oh, Duncan, I know you have it, but I have to call you. No, you don't. Uh, I will have to. Uh, I'll have to call you. And, and, and he calls me, and of course, you know, like, I, I have it. And then he's like, oh, you know, I knew it. No, you didn't. No, you didn't. No. You no. acted as if I don't have it. And no matter what you say, I could care less. And this is why I often say, and I make a big point of that in the book as well, that uh, sometimes professional poker players who know, you know, the game, sometimes more often than not, they know how the recreationals play better than the recreationals themselves. Right, because again, it's all about all the pattern recognition, and that's also why I know. Again, I've been talking for eleven million minutes by now, but that's why, <laughs> if you remove showdown from the game of poker, winning players will still be winning players, right? And this is why poker players, winning poker players, cannot be bluffed. And I mean that in a technical sense. What do I mean by that? Cannot be bluffed. I'm not saying that they cannot call with worse hands. We call with worse hands all the time. But if you if you call on the river and the opponent has a better hand, either your range beat the range, in which case you beat them, or the range was better than yours, in which you where you lost your entire range. Either way, you were not bluffed. You lost by the range or you beat the range. There's no bluffing involved in that situation. When people are saying, oh, I bluffed you, if you're reacting in any way, which is, again, I understand why anybody would react, but ultimately there is a lack of misunderstanding of how the game works. People cannot bluff you. It's impossible. Also, it doesn't matter what they're holding either because you're not targeting their specific hand. You're targeting their actions. So if your response to their actions was sound, in other words, you was rational, if, if you will, I should probably say valid or sound, then you don't have to worry about anything. You know, you did what you're supposed to do. You acted based on information that you had available. Yeah, which which again makes again makes makes a lot of sense. You know, and that kind of comes back to and, I, and I'm assuming by uh, just to just to clarify this one, this is as much for me as it is for the listener. Yeah. What you mean in that situation? So right. their action. So let's say um, they place a pot size bet on the river, right? And your appropriate action is to call. Um, at the correct frequency mm -hmm. with that top portion of your range, thirty percent um, to break even. Is is that is that what you mean by that, Duncan? That, just to just yeah. to clarify, whatever whatever it may be. And again, but in actuality, you're not going to have a thirty percent call, right? In actuality, you're either going to call or you don't. I mean, of course, you can randomize and do all those things, but that's yeah. exactly my point. That's exactly yeah. my point. If you end up, you know, let's say you do your randomizer, right, and then it ends up, 
you end up folding or you end up calling, it doesn't matter what they have because your action has been determined based on what you saw so far. So the hand that they have is only relevant as a evidence, as a data point for future construction of the ranges. It's completely irrelevant for the present hand. It doesn't matter. They yeah. cannot bluff you. They don't have a hand. I can like this is one of the things that you know I tell this, my students to this day. People just, you know, like they have an issue with that. What do you mean? But they have a hand. They play based on that hand. Yes, but they, it doesn't matter what they have. What matters is how they act. That's what you try to deconstruct. That's what you try to decipher. Their holding, their holding is irrelevant. And of course, what you just mentioned right now, like if we talk about frequencies, like if you want to decide to call, well, let's say 30% frequency, like well, actually, sorry, Duncan, just for clarification, I yes. meant we 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 have to call 30% of the time. So we're gonna call with the, the top 30% of our oh, range. I see, I see, I as see. opposed to the free. Sorry, just okay, to clarify okay. that. So okay. the top 30% of hands that we get there on the river. Absolutely. But but even with the okay, excellent. But even with the alternative, you know, let's say that we're randomizing, which is both of them are fine. Like, you know, you, you say we want to call top 30% of your range, or or even with this specific holding, you have to call 30% of the time. Both of these situations, both of these situations, the hand is only a teeny tiny piece of an entire picture. There's no bluffing involved, even if we call with the worst of it and, and, and we lose. Either our entire range is worse than them, in which case they owned us from before even the game, the, the, the game started, or we, we, we made the right decisions, you know. So there is no bluffing involved at all, right? And I think this is something that is very difficult for us to grasp and that's why poker is a complicated game and 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 I and I say that with with a great amount of respect and you know and I and I take all of these concerns seriously but I think really really that question this beautiful question by by the spiel like you know talking about um can you be can your mindset be affected if you're in a ritual actions is all there is we are all we're we are our actions it doesn't matter absolutely that, Right. I mean, that's essentially poker players. know yeah, that we can't separate ourselves. We cannot. You cannot separate yourself from your actions. Your that's actions right. are the, your actions tell the story greater than anything else will. What you do is that's that's who because you who you are, You're like that's intent right. is in the background. What, but what you actually physically do or say your actual your action in the moment, that is that is who you are. That is what you're that is what you're saying to the uh, world. Absolutely, absolutely. I, I do think this is this is relevant, and and not 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 to get uh, not to get too too dark here, but uh, one of my favorite um, one of my favorite quotes. There is a it's not the quote. It's like a a, a, a sociologist often asks their students. He said, uh, you know, what do you think of uh, of of slavery? Like, you know, raise your hand if you are against it. And then of course, I mean, the entire you know class will raise the hands, of course we're against slavery. So, so, so you're telling me, for example, okay, so let's let's say we go back to ancient Greece where slavery was prevalent or, you know, like ancient, uh, the Roman empire or the, um, the vast majority of the human history where slavery was the norm and you live there. Are you gonna be, uh, raise your hand if you're gonna be a slaver. You know, nobody raises their hand. It's like, seriously? Seriously, you're telling me, you know, that's that, you know, people we think you know, that's essentially the super ego uh, of, uh, but any, uh, any, any rational, any rational individual will, uh, of Sigmund Freud, it was the super ego that Sigmund Freud was talking about, but any rational individual will know there's no way, you know, all of us 
you know, would have avoided to be, uh, you know, sort of Especially like- Especially when it was, when we consider how a massive a part of economies it actually was in at right. many times throughout history, not wanting to drag right. us off, but like to actually say that, yeah, I wouldn't have been, it's just- <laughs> It's actually ridiculous. So you, so you were going to volunteer to probably be poor because that's, that's you know right. there was so much, so much prided on actually having slaves right. to operate businesses and stuff. So that's, that's right. Yeah, but, no. And so, <laughs> so that's. I mean, it's obviously an extreme example, right? And and it's it's yeah. an uncomfortable thought. It's not like I mean. I, you know, most people, myself included, we get a little bit of like, you know, an upset stomach, you know, thinking you know, it's a, it's, a, it's a horrible situation. But the fact of the matter is. It doesn't matter what we think. Like all that matters is how we act. So, you know, when people are pressed for food or in, in extreme circumstances, and we see that also at the poker table, I don't care if you, you know, preach positivity. If you're an asshole at the poker table, you are an asshole in everyday life. It's very simple. It's as simple as that, right? So, and we get, that's why I like, I like poker so much because we get to see the real people over there, right? When things are getting stressful. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but the old it comes back like the old one, and I think like but probably so many we've heard this we've heard this in movies and stuff, especially war films. There's there's no atheists in foxholes because everyone's everyone you know in the foxhole during the war. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. That's right. Yeah, everyone everyone's praying. Whether right. if they may have been sitting back at the right. barracks saying they were an atheist, right. when you're in that foxhole, everyone's praying. You know, the and there's that's again. Right. By the by, the action of praying, you're no longer an atheist. That's it. Doesn't matter. Your actions, your actions say otherwise. That's, right. That's exactly right. Exactly correct. Exactly correct. And this, it's interesting. It's uh, we, we we can see, we can also see that 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 relationship, and also we can see the power of the action itself. You know that pray, right? I mean, it makes you feel better and has all of these scientifically um, proven circumstances. Although for I, uh, you know, for the I think atheistically minded i i should i should preface here and i should be very careful about this not everybody is as comfortable in doing those rituals and that's also very very important so that has been one of my long time critiques one of the biases of religions right i mean so um i've i've been quoted in saying that you know i i don't know what the word god means so i have no idea but um if that thing made sense you know it was understood i mean somebody can explain it to me i'm too dumb to understand what a god is but in any case if somebody could explain it to me there would still be three very important problems uh one of them would be the the relativity right you know different people are um um stuck because they were born in their own country so let's say that one of these religious is correct i mean you know oh i'm the unlucky one i was born in their own country that's that i call the the original bias the other thing is the the moral bias you know why light over darkness you know, that's why do we have that? And there's another bias, the personality bias. There are certain people who just don't feel comfortable with like essentially shutting off their brains in, uh, you know, basically um, taking the easy way out. And so for those people, some of these rituals, they might not be comfortable. So again, we have, so again, just to be fair, because, you know, we found all the, the positive things of the, the rituals uh, of religion, one of the negative things is that it specifically frames the mind in such a way that certain personalities feel incredibly uncomfortable being in that situation because it closes. You know, instead of like reducing the anxiety, which is the whole purpose, like instead of like feeding them answers, which some people want, 
it actually prevents them from explore further and find their own answers or at least let the evidence point them in some direction. Certain people form, feel more comfortable in uncertainty than others. And I think this is, this is relevant here. Yeah, and it, and it is. And I, I, I do think it's important to say that. And it's and that that may be tricky for um, possibly a lot of our listeners, but it's hard to comprehend how someone feels in that situation when you're not in that situation. Right. Like it seems right. like even I'm listening to it and I'm I'm trying to con- I have no comprehension what that feels like, but I can respect it. Right. I can say that's that's perfectly okay to be, but I have absolutely no idea how that feels. Now you could ask me something else and I could say, yeah, I totally know how that, but that particular, that it's, it's, it's almost alien to me. And I'm sure that's how a lot of people feel about it, but to others, it's not, it's, that's their norm. It's, that's exactly and right. that's perfectly okay. You know what he just did, Peter? You very eloquently summarized meta-humility. Yeah. You can never be in the other person's shoes, which is no. why it is so incredibly important to understand where they're coming from and why, you know, you often hear me taking like no taking sides, you know, talking about one side and then in the same breath. I take the other side and I'm just like they, they, different people think differently. There is no universally accepted diet. There is no universally uh, approach to ontological questions. Right. That is not to say that all of the answers are of equal probability, if you will. There are certain answers which tend to work for many people. For example, religion is the answer to the vast majority of, of, of the people in the world. And that matters. It says something, right? So not all answers are created equal, but we can't have one size fits all. Fits all. It's, no, it's, which, is, which, is the, which is the great thing about humanity. Because yeah, we get to sit here and we get to have these debates and these kind of discussions. Right. If... If it was all the same, there'd be nothing for us to talk about, Duncan. That's exactly right. We'd just be sitting here going over going over our bad beat stories and and doing a doing a doing a poor man's version of a tactical Tuesday or something. <laughs> That's like that. Speaking of bad beats, did I tell you like the terrible bad beat that I had? Like I was just kidding. No, no, you didn't have it. I I was just about to call it. I was just gonna to apologize to the listeners, give the answer to the question from the start of the show and say goodbye. I was I wasn't even gonna include you. <laughs> I love it. I love it. So where can people find us? Like and it, so that they can post questions, like we're gonna, uh, and we know the topic for for next week, right? I mean, we're we're talking uh, poker and resilience. How poker brings resilience, and we're gonna uh, bring the great uh, doc. Uh, she is an active member of the of the village, and she's gonna offer her insight. So, where can people post some good questions about poker resilience? So uh, go to chasingpoker.com forward slash greatness village and you can find it there. We have our own we have our own tab in the village philosophical Friday. Come in there and add all the questions you want. There are and remember, there are no stupid questions. Um, You can find me on Twitter and Peter Birmingham at Peter Birmingham with a four at the end of it um, on Twitter. Post questions at me there. Tag me tag me in a question, if you will. Um, and then we have Duncan, who can be found as ask the ahead, Math Yeah, ask ask the Math DR uh, on on Twitter, and also if you want to, instead of listen, you want to watch this uh, podcast. Uh, you know, see us get animated and excited about stuff. Uh, why Alex? And we, beat- d- 
We do. I use a lot of hand gestures and stuff like that. I, I definitely have more of a face for radio, but you know, I, I get animated physically. So there you we, go. We should. Absolutely. <laughs> so why, why Alex beats Bobby? Uh, we, we post the video there every, every Friday. And again, make sure uh, you also vote for the best question because we're going to be declaring a winner uh, every every week. And uh, this week, the winner is the spiel. I absolutely love that question from uh, Maria Konikova's book. And uh, and incidentally, uh, I believe Eric Seidel, because um, he, he followed up with that, uh, he said that observing any kind of lucky anything will distort one's thinking. Uh, and she she agrees. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't know if it's going to be distorted, but uh, I would say that, you know, it matters. Like, actions matter. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And so for the for the big reveal from our question from the start of the show, in case anyone had forgotten, which uh, online uh, poker player and streamer said that when they're on a downswing, they shave all their facial hair because they believe it gives them a fresh start and a, and a, a chance to get back to winning ways. So that is the great Jeremiah Williams. Uh, Mr. Williams being a very logical and sound player, never gets rattled at the tables. You watch him on stream there, bad beats all over the place, never, but still believes on a downswing he get he, he must shave his facial hair. So well done, Jeremiah. Thank you for uh thank you for providing providing that one to us. And um shout out know, good luck with your good luck with your challenge. Absolutely. And shout out to, to Jeremiah. And uh I think. Uh, with that, uh, we will leave everybody. I'll talk to them to, to next week. Peter, thank you for another excellent podcast. Thank you very much, Duncan. And we will see you all next week. Take awesome. care. Take care, everybody. Thanks for listening to Chasing Poker Greatness. You can subscribe on Apple Podcasts or on your favorite podcast app. Go to ChasingPokerGreatness.com to get the newsletter. Join the Greatness Village community book a coaching session, or dive into the latest data-driven poker courses. Follow the show on Twitter at CPG Podcast.